Hey there, everybody. It's time for episode number five of the Knuckleheads podcast. I'm Nico. I'm Alex. Let's do it. This is this is this is the Knuckleheads podcast. Knuckleheads podcast. Let's go. All right. So the Canucks are currently in the midst of a five-game road trip. Mm-hmm. Um, just yesterday, unfortunately, they ended what was a six-game point streak at the hands of the Boston Bruins, losing four nothing, which was sort of tough. But otherwise, it's been a solid entry into the road trip. And um, with three straight wins over solid opponents, especially in the Islanders and the Hur- – sorry, they lost to the, uh, to the Hurricanes in a shootout, but still yeah. a pretty solid performance. And then Great beating the Sharks 5-2 to two at the beginning of the road trip. Um, yeah. What were your impressions of that like five-game winning streak that we just went on right there? The five games were really nice. They were great to see. Obviously, they were a clutch time to uh, kind of go into the all-star break and whatnot uh, with um, with first in the Pacific Division. Yeah. Uh, like you said, they were really good games for us. The the Sharks game, it is nice to see us against the bad teams because we do outshine them as we should. We looked really, really good in that game. Uh, but then the Islanders and Hurricanes games were actually pretty intense. Uh, Love that we were able to overcome uh, the Islanders. Um the Hurricanes, like you said, we looked good. I actually thought Demko had some great saves. Oh, for uh, sure. Which was really exciting for the future. Um, but overall, we weren't able to pull that out, which kind of leads us into to the Bruins game, which is, is unfortunate because I still think we struggle against some of those top-tier teams. Not necessarily that the Canes are top, top-tier, but they're a really good team. They're especially like a really fast and, and hard-working team. Um, so... That's true. Um, definitely running into the Bruins, who are, as much as I hate to say it, still an elite team in the NHL. Definitely one of like a handful of top teams where you can say I can realistically see them like pretty easily winning the Cup this year. Um, and like, well, the Hurricanes also are a pretty good team, I think, an underrated Cup contender for a lot of people. And so that was honestly a pretty impressive outing to me. Taking a team that often dominates like the shot, the um, the shots, and we outshot them in that game. Um, but definitely the Bruins was def like coming back down to earth a little bit. And I mean, yeah. you just have games like that in a road trip, especially against a tough opponent. And it does show that you know, despite the recent winning streaks, it's still a young team that's growing. And um, while we can be optimistic, it's obvious that it doesn't feel like it's quite there yet. One thing the Hurricanes game reminded me of was just the fact that because I, when you look at the division and you're like, oh, the Hurricanes are down there, but they're actually only two points behind us. We would be six in the Metropolitan. Like it's 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 a it's a good awakening to how exciting this year has been, but how we still have a lot of growth ahead of yeah. us. The standings are all over the place this year, so I think that's a little bit hard to read into, you know, because it feels like it's so tight in the middle. That, well, like, as we've discussed, the NHL uh, playoff rankings and standings are all weird. Weird, Honestly, just terrible system. Really don't like it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny, though. Like, it has a chance to shine this year if Calgary and Edmonton um, end up playing each other in the first round. Saying that, that means most likely Vancouver's either won the division or come in the wild card spot. Um, both of those situations seem less than ideal to me, to be entirely honest with you. Just because um, of the matchups, yeah. It means we might have to play Vegas. If we have to play Arizona, I'll deal with it. But if we have to play Vegas in the first round, I am going to be just worried. Like, 
don't even bother buying playoff tickets at that point. That may be pessimistic to say, but... Um... Well, the only reason I would usually... I was with you, I think we kind of briefly mentioned that a couple pods ago. Yeah. But um, Vegas is on a 3-6-1 and one in their last 10. Like, they're they're not, uh, not necessarily been hot lately. And I think this is a really important part of the season to, to really see what teams have as every team is kind of putting their best foot forward. Like, that's another thing that I kind of noticed during the five-game... Uh, win streak and then the shootout loss and then the Bruins game is these have been such fast paced games like I know the NHL gets faster every year but wow like these teams are going all out right now and we're still in February that's true I mean um, the game's just so quick nowadays and you have such skilled players honestly that you know for years people talked about like what's the role of the fighter like does um like these sort of checking enforcer type players still have a role in a team? I think without even realizing it, like that debate's sort of over. Even guys who are like tough guys or checking guys, they all skate. Like oh, a hundred percent. You look at a guy like Tom Wilson, who's like probably one of the biggest toughest players in the league, or even a Ryan Reeves. They actually skate really well. Like Ryan Reeves is an underrated skater in my opinion, and when he gets moving, he's fast and he's an absolute bull. And Tom Wilson's the same. Like, they get going pretty good. And once you have that much mass memory at that speed, they're all the more impressive. But they have the ability to get to that speed. you got to be quick. you got to be quick. And also, like, Wilson, like, can shoot. Like, these big, tough guys, they're not, uh, they're not single-minded anymore. Like, they're also putting up some stats. Yeah, they just... It, it's If you don't have quick feet in the NHL nowadays, you're just not going to survive. Or you're going to have to be, like, in a sheltered role. That's what's sort of been amazing to me about the fact that Louis Erickson has seemingly, like, re-found his place on the team. Is he still... He can't skate. He's just not quick. He's actually become a little bit of a grinder. Oh, 100%, man. Like, he was never a good skater at the best of times. But the issue is, is he, like, lost a step when he didn't have one to lose. The amount of times that I've been watching it, I really... That was a pretty good hit. Wait... It was Erickson that did a hit? Or a guy who would, like, pin a guy against the boards, and I'd be like, great pin. I'd be like, wait, is that Erickson doing the dirty work there? <laughs> but even even in his prime, which I feel like will be overshadowed by this part of his career, which is honestly a little bit too bad, because for years he was always considered that guy who was like, he's the most underrated player in the league. He'd always put up 70 points in Dallas, and no one was watching the stars, so, like, people yeah. were like, oh, his numbers are pretty good. Yeah, but, well, no... 100% nobody was watching Dallas at that time. Yeah, but even uh, then, it's in part because he, like, doesn't score. He never really scored a highlight goals. He was just, like, the Swedish grinder, honestly, even in a better role. I guess that's true, actually. Even though we think of him as, like, a scorer, he was kind of always a bit of a... And so now it's just that he's slower, so it shows more. Yeah. But, but uh, I keep in mind, I do think it's it's us Canuck fans that will kind of have this skewed memory of him. I'm sure that Stars fans still think of him as, like, a good player and just that he's old now. Yeah, that's true. It's just the contracts bought so much like negative attention to him. But so much I negative feel, attention. I, I can't have a conversation about the Canucks without people mentioning salary cap woes. And I was like, can we just enjoy the now? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like we get it, we get it. But we've. I think people in Vancouver this year have sort of made peace with the Ericsson deal. Well, no, they've made peace with it because, he, like you said, he's found his place. They made peace with it recently. They made peace with it with the new Horvat Eriksson line that's kind of like been kind of fun to watch. <laughs> it's which is amazing, honestly, because Tanner was left for dead last year. That was a guy who got traded three times in a year, which is never a good sign. Yeah, 
And, I mean, we got him for good Branson, and he's been, like, a key contributor this year who's on pace for 60 points. Like, Whoever. all right. I, I, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> we'll roll with that, I guess. Yeah. No, Tanner Pearson is putting up shots, too. You know, he's the fourth most shots on our team this year. Honestly, I've been impressed with this game for the most part. I think he plays um, pretty hard along the walls, too, and has some nice, some decent skill. He's got a real ability to, like, read the play and end up in the in the best spot. If, for all our NHL 20 fans out there, I have a file with the Canucks, and Tanner Pearson is listed as a leader on the team. <laughs> is that not interesting? I was like, why? He just, he just got here. What? It's just because he's like... A white guy from Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> Stereotypes. It's just uh, that's how the game works. <laughs> he's a he's a leader. He seems like a good Canadian boy. You know, we'll go with him for now. I guess he seems like a good kid. I think that's what the game was going off. He's a, he's a real leader in this squad. I mean, he shows up. He doesn't swear too much. He's yeah, he <laughs> with the boys every once in a while. That's what a leader is, man. Don't I you love? Know? I loved how during the uh, was it the Canes game that was Super Bowl Sunday, right? And the yeah. announcers were talking about how, like, oh, you know, if they weren't playing tonight, all the boys would be watching the Super Bowl or whatever. <laughs> okay, jeez. We, well, like, they, not talk about <laughs> What was funny is all the NHL games are over before the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl's early. It's, like, 3.30. Let's yeah. about that for one second, too. Sorry, not the Super Bowl. The fact that the Canucks have back-to-back games this weekend that run at 11 a.m. and 10 a.m. Isn't that funny? And it really throws players. And I, I think, actually, our guys, our guys showed up okay, but... Um, but yeah, this NHL schedule is is I don't know how they make the NHL schedule. I feel I like other leagues really plan their schedules, and I feel like the NHL is just kind of like, uh, when are people free? <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is? I've, I've honestly I've actually read a couple interesting stories in this and seen a really interesting um like piece about it. So and it was specifically about the MLB schedule, and so it's all computer generated now. Oh. It's That's all kind of it's cool. like an algorithm creates it, and they'll like algorithm can factor in like some specific date preferences. But prior to that, and that's like almost all the leagues now, I think, are like algorithm based. But prior mm-hmm. to that, it was literally the, just this couple that did it who were like both. No uh, way. Like, yeah, they lived on their like, they just like a house just in the middle of fucking nowhere. But and they, they made the NHL schedule. In, they both had engineering degrees in mathematics. And they just made the schedule because it's mostly math, right? Because there's so many games that's largely just like they built an algorithm and they do it all by hand. And then, but through that, because they were doing it by hand, they had a lot more like leeway with it. So they were really good at factoring in just like social preferences, like, oh, this is a good time to have this game. Like, I don't know if you ever remember, but in the past, every Boxing Day, it was an Oilers game. Oh, and it was because probably someone was like, "Oh, this is becomes becomes a tradition," and it was cool because I would go like every year with like my family because there's a lot of people with family in Edmonton and Vancouver, so they would do home and homes. Well, that's one thing I I find interesting about all the sports trying to revamp their schedules is that yeah, there is kind of some, one something fun about tradition games, and yeah. I know it's obviously not that common, but like you said, like when there's a game that you can expect on certain dates, like it's kind of fun. It's cool. It builds a rivalry around it, I think. I think it's one of the things that um, European uh, football is really good at is they have such oh, yeah. long rivalries. And, like, game, like I don't know if games necessarily take place at the same time every year, but they have, like, these derbies and, like, these matches that mean a lot that come around every year. 
and the NHL, you have like the Battle of of Alberta, but not like. It well, I was just gonna say, like day every year, just like throughout the schedule. I don't know who has decided this, if this was a marketing ploy or if this is genuinely the players, but the Flames and the Oilers have done such a good job of fueling (laughs) this fire. I really hope the NHL does whatever it can to put them in the playoffs together because that uh, it's like I don't really like either of those teams because they're rivals, but for us. But um, but it's been fun to watch those two teams play. The amount of trades that they've done with within each other, like it's it's almost it's almost almost gross that these two teams are so involved with each other. Alberta, oh, what a gong show! That's it's it is weird how many players have been on both sides. Yeah, no, like, it's uh, the, the subplot is so interesting to me. Like, in, I remember in watching that last game, I was like. He's not fighting anyone. Where is he? Like this is like his game. This is why they brought him in to yeah, like to do be this. like the tough guy. He's like shit's hitting the fan, man. There's a goalie fight. Shit has hit the fan. We're all the way there. Code red. Break out Milan. Don't beat the shit out of someone, man. It's a goalie fight. It's what are you so, doing? I but I don't understand. I I don't know if he is on something or but he's like a different player now. Zach Cassian has filled that role absolutely beautifully. Yeah, because I think he actually hates them. Yeah. <laughs> to me, honestly, Lucic has always seemed like an emotional guy. I don't say that as a negative. Like, I really don't. But I think he's a guy who, like, builds connections. I remember some of the things in Vancouver that happened post-Stanley Cup where, like, his church was vandalized and stuff like that, and he would comment about it, and he sounded genuinely hurt because he used to be, like, a Vancouver hero when he was a Giants player, and it's where he's from. But, like, because he was on Boston – people turned on him and like i remember him being like genuinely hurt about that well that was one thing i was gonna say is yeah i remember there was a lot of talk uh regarding his time with the giants the fact that he's actually like a really just like good nice dude and like it was just a a role that he had to kind of carve out to like succeed in the nhl but like you know what i mean so he might just be comfortable kind of being more himself now um his his quote regarding not fighting against the oilers was uh you can't just go around jumping people is that not what you did for the start of your career? <laughs> oh, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, kind of can, though. <laughs> they kind of asked, asked you, asked you to. <laughs> it happens, man. Is that not what Talbot, Talbot did to Gagne? Just sort of punch him in the back of the head? Well, and actually, since we're kind of discussing it, I don't think this is a bad segue. Yeah. Uh, I was pretty bugged that um, McAvoy didn't get uh, in trouble for... Um, kind of jumping Beagle. I know Beagle deserved oh, the penalty yeah. for coming into Rask, but they didn't... Uh, I don't think they gave McAvoy anything in the end, did they? That was really weird. I have to agree. Like, I like personally thought the goalie interference penalty was a penalty. Like, I mean, he gets kind of pushed in, but it's also the onus is on the player to avoid contact, and he did nothing to avoid it. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, he was going full steam, and he was trying to score. Cool, cool. But yeah, yeah, it was a penalty. That's fair. Yeah, you got to protect the goalies. I get it. You can't just have guys running them like that. But... Yeah. Yeah, I agree. like McAvoy, like probably he jumped him, like he did. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it's like I'm sure Beagle was probably about to turn and apologize, and McAvoy just starts like grabbing his head and kind of shoving it down to the ice. And you're like, oh, okay, like cool, like uh, yeah, protect no. your team, but like simmer down, bud. And then uh, and then the refs did. Conduct. Yeah, then it was like I think we were on penalties the whole rest of the period. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't understand what went wrong there so quickly. And then Tyler Myers forgot how to clear a puck. 
Ugh. This is his first time, apparently. And I got to say, actually, no, I'm, I actually got to show some love to Tyler Myers because I was kind of, I think I was tough on him at the start of the year. I just wanted more. He's actually been pretty great lately. He's, he's been finding Myers. a way to hit the back of the net, so that's all we've, I asked for. We've been getting the full Tyler Myers experience in Vancouver. He's just a really inconsistent player. He's got so many facets to his game. Some good, some bad. He's <laughs> massive. He skates well, and he's got some hands, but he's a bad decision maker. The decisions, man. The decisions. He's but no, but he's he's ending up scoring like every once in a while. Cause like he he has a shot. And like sometimes he'll make the right decisions. Like not but he's like not all the time. Not all the time. Yeah. He's just I, there's like it's just a high rate of error. We talked about his uh his skating, and yeah. I just have to bring reference uh to another highlight play. When Quinn Hughes, I think it was against the Sharks. Uh, I think it was our first goal against the Sharks. He just kind of like skated perfectly, turning around the puck and ripped a slap shot right over Martin Jones' shoulder. And it was just gorgeous. Quinn Hughes is, I actually, like, obviously Pedersen is our currently best player, but Hughes might be our most valuable player. Like, wow. Well, to be honest with you, and just to segue into this here, I think Markstrom's probably been the MVP this year. And um, some of the play he's had over the last few games, I know the game against Boston didn't go entirely great, but I really didn't fault him for almost anything. Um, he's been a real rock because some of the throughout that winning streak, like the Canucks only had 40% of the total shots and they won five games in a row. And that was the same in the seven game winning streak earlier in the year. And mm-hmm. it just seems like more often than not, the Canucks are going like these winning streaks where they get outshot. And Markstrom's just there to cover it. Like he well, exactly to, like just be aggressive on offense because they've got confidence that he's going to stop puck. Well, and that's what they were saying. Uh, I think the Bruins got what forty two shots against or something, or forty two shots on him or something like that. And uh, and the announcers were like, "Usually Markstrom wins when he has forty plus." Yeah, which is crazy. It's ridiculous. So just to, like since the start of that seven game winning streak, December nineteenth to the Boston game included. So the Canucks are 14-4-1, and they've only had, and they've been outshot by almost 200 shots in that stretch. But yet, at the same time, our power play has been bad. That's true, which earlier in the year, and um, even through that earlier winning streak, it was, like, cooking. But the power play, I agree, has gone cold. And, like, has been noticeably bad, too. It's not like they've been creating chances that they've been unlucky. They're barely getting shot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so with that said, uh, we'll do a bit of wordplay. I can agree with you that Markstrom's been our MVP this season, but I think still at the same time, because words are fun, Pedersen <laughs> is our best player, and Hughes is our most valuable player. I think those are all three true statements. So you you have two MVPs. No, 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 no. Yeah, you said Markstrom's the MVP, and you said Quinn Hughes is the MVP. No, I said he, he is... Oh, I oh, I did say it. I meant he has our highest value, trade value wise. What? Who? Markstrom? Hughes. But Markstrom's our most. I just think the word MVP. This is the, the whole. This is right This now? is the whole issue with Major League Baseball right now. What? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> what are you the talking word, about? The phrase MVP, <laughs> most valuable player, is not defined correctly, because. I can agree Markstrom has been the most valuable commodity to 
relating to our success winning games this year. That doesn't mean that he has our highest trade value yeah, on the open market. I you know what I mean? On here, because I have no idea where this has gone over the last little bit. Anyway, it's a, no, it's a it's a worthwhile discussion for anybody listening. Feel free to tweet me or message me or Instagram me. Reach out to us at Knuckleheads. This is a real debate that's currently taking place. Most valuable player. What does it mean? All right then. All right, Nico McEwen with the hot take. Hot take by Panago. Panago. Because why not? Yeah. Yeah, Panago. You should you should send some um some money and some pizza our way. This is I'm just gonna start trolling. For sponsors, and that's how we're gonna make it, man. I just every episode, you're like, just shoot out to a company in the hope that their rep hears it. <laughs> we gotta hit. We gotta hit the smaller, the smaller companies, though. Yeah. No, I'm Carisdale Lumber. Exactly. <laughs> the place to get your nails. And sponsored construction shit. Sponsored by Stong's Grocers. <laughs> <laughs> Are you in the dumb bar? <laughs> <laughs> Real specific, guys. We're making 15 bucks here, Max. got to keep the lights on. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway. uh, so the Connects Power Play has been trash. Moral of the yeah. story. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I don't know how faith they'll turn it around. They were, looked pretty convincing <laughs> earlier in the year. Like, I don't understand how, why they look so bad now. But, I mean, I think, like, Quinn Hughes still knows how to run a power play. It's just no, there's bad the stretches thing. sometimes. This is the thing is I I have faith too, but I have faith if we're getting shots. We're not even getting chances on our power play right now. So I don't know if we changed a formation or if something. I don't know what's going on with the power play. And it's I think that's one of the most important things for a playoff team. I think we it really comes down you? to the penalty kills and power yeah. plays with pet playoffs. Sorry to interrupt you, but um, I think part of the reason the power play hasn't been as good and as threatening recently, and I hate to throw my guy under the bus because, honestly, I think he's been having an underrated year, and a lot of Canucks fans have been, like, criticizing uh, Brock Besser. How quickly Mm -hmm. we forget that this was our chosen hero prior to Pedersen and Hughes' arrival. We just were so excited with the new toys. He's being, I think, criticized at times unfairly in the market because he's not quite scoring as much as he did. I think his overall game's improved. I think his playmaking's been underrated this year. But yep. he, there's no doubt about it. He's in a tough stretch right now. I'm surprised how long it's gone on for. The fact that he can't buy a freaking goal right now. And I, I know. Shook his confidence. He's not... The issue is on the power play this year is he's not just firing. Like, he used to, he used to, used to just fire. He'd shoot at a high rate. Like, he's in a good chance. I'm shooting right now. And he's but, not doing it this year. He'll, like, wait and, like, try to fake it out. And he's looking to Pedersen too much. It's like he needs to reassert himself as, like, I'm also sick. But, and so this is this is where it's all about experience growing together. Because, yeah, I, I think that is a big part of it. And did you hear that during the Bruins game, the, the um, oh, who was it doing the period break interview in the second and third? But they were basically ripping on Besser, like, the whole time. Um, it was it was tough. 
is tough. And yeah, I think a lot of Canucks fans are are doing that. Like you said, new toys is a great way to phrase it because Besser was our guy and now people are just writing him off. Uh, I had a discussion with someone the other day. They were saying that like we should just get rid of him. I was like, they're like, they're like, we need, we need a young guy to join our our young crew. I was like, you know, Besser's like really <laughs> young. It's his third year in the league. Like, let's relax. He's twenty two. All right. So no, I I definitely think he will turn around. I actually felt like a couple times during the last few games, he's been trying to be more of that like fire the puck on net guy. And I also don't mind that he's kind of gone to more towards playmaking because even though he has a great shot he does not have Pedersen's shot and especially Pedersen's speed which are really valuable goal scoring traits uh so even though Bester still he's trying he has 161 shots this season the most on the team uh he has the fourth most goals but um it's the assists that I think are I'm totally cool with him continuing to do otherwise especially if he stops getting those assists they might try to move him to a different line and to be the scorer. And I don't know. I think, I think I'm okay with what he's doing. I obviously just need him to, to pick it up a little bit, but he's still, he's still been a, a contributing guy this season. To be honest with you. And I understand why the team's not doing this, but for a while now, I've wanted to see him with Horvat and Pearson. I know Erickson's been having a nice run and you know, you kind of want to reward the guy, but to be honest with you, like, he was not good on the Goodet, like him, Goodet, and Roussel. That was not a good line. They were trying something. Goodet's young. They're like maybe, um, but yeah, it just wasn't a good line. I didn't like the fit. Vertanen, honestly, that is actually a conversation we should have. Another point too is um, Vertanen looked really good on that first line. That's the best I've ever seen him play with the Canucks. Far none. I know. Yeah, we should talk about it because it was actually it was almost too exciting. I was like, wait. Is this what we've been wanting to see for so long? Like he he looked really good, and uh, he he just looked so much more confident. I don't know if he felt like he didn't have to do much, and that made him look better because it almost felt like he was doing more. Like he it felt like he had the puck more. Like it looked good. He seems a he, like he slowed down his play. I think in previous years it's like he's always had the shot and he's had the speed. But the thing is, like he was almost moving too fast for his mind to decide what to do. It's a little bit of like Mason Raymonditis. You know, like, you're so fast, but you don't always know, know what to do with that speed. And I can agree with that. The only thing I'll add, though, is that even when he would slow it down in the past, he'd still make the wrong decision. You know yeah. what I mean? Whereas yeah. now he seems to be making the right choice. He had that nice play against the Sharks where the defender didn't have his stick and he made the right call to to take it himself and rip the shot uh, up the side, which is really nice. And I think that was a, a play that... I don't know. Like I said, sometimes when he'd be out there, I felt like he would he would stress about making that type of decision. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, like it just those are becoming more instinctual, I guess. And um, I mean, if this is like, if this is who he is now, he's on pace for forty to fifty points. If he get fifty points this year, like this oh. is or member of your team moving forward all of a sudden. That would be amazing. Can you imagine if, especially, dude, all the guys that we're talking about are 23 and under. If we can actually keep all of this and have the guys be just contributors, that's all we need, you know? Yeah. And that would be really, really nice. Yeah, I guess for 10, he's at 31 points this season. So, yeah, he could. I mean, I wouldn't say he's on pace for, you're saying 50? Uh, no, just, 40 just about. He's, he's heated up over the last little stretch, too. Yeah, he still doesn't get much time on the ice, eh? No, no. 
But he's oh. been in more with the first line. But anyways, it, it's good to see um, that he's had his longest stretch of good playing being in a Vancouver Canucks uniform, let's say. Can I ask you something as someone who has played more hockey in your life than myself? Why is Tyler Myers considered such a penalty killer? Is it just because he's large? Because I don't think you want someone that you don't trust making decisions on your penalty kill. And Myers had like a four-minute shift the other day. It was ridiculous. I think it's because he's big. So in ideal, he should be really good at moving people away from the net, and he should have a long reach. No, he wants Everyone to be a walk- forward just because he's big. Does he, have you seen him take the puck up the ice? His, yeah, he so badly he wants to be a forward. Boston. He had a rush against, I think, Boston yesterday where I was like, my God, that's a million-dollar defenseman. We're thinking about the exact same play, and I thought the same thing. I was like, this dude clearly his whole life wanted to be a forward and just was too big and was put in the back. Yeah, that was impressive. But I, that maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's a forward. Maybe he's Jake Vertanen. But he was just... I think I think Tyler Myers' wet dream is for him to be Brent Burns, <laughs> and he's just not. Hundred percent. Because yeah, oh, but Brent Burns is just a one of a kind, unique specimen from all ideals. Oh yeah, in every in every capacity. I would love to have a player like that, and the Sharks should get rid of him. You got to give up, so maybe he'll come over. <laughs> Actually, I would take Burns, honestly. He's the one guy I think that could age really well because he just seems like a, like a superhuman. Yeah, and I think, actually, I think our young guys would be quite intrigued by the fact that he has no teeth and he's got a very interesting face. And <laughs> I think he'd love Vancouver, man. He'd be in the mountains more than he'd be at the rink, though. That'd be the issue. He'd just be, like, camping and shit. He'd legit oh, he... just give it an... You know that little RV park on the <laughs> north side of the Lionsgate Bridge? Just That's the other good. side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you're getting over this little RV park right there. Anyways, he just, like, lived there with his family. They will not even buy a house, man. They just live out of a trailer. <laughs> Imagine how excited he'd be going from San Jose, coming to, to Vancouver, Canada. He could be a full-on lumberjack. That'd be everything he could, he'd want. Hey, you'd go out there. He's just living in, like, a grizzly bear's cave with the grizzly. If just in case... And I know you referenced this last time, but I still believe that we have listeners in other parts of the world. If there's anyone that's not from Vancouver listening to this podcast, there is a weird perception about Vancouver, Canada, that we do live in, like, like literally, I've had friends be like, so do you see, like, reindeers, like, every day and shit like that? Like, no, like, <laughs> no, we're not, we're joking. It's not that much of a ice country. Uh, parts of it. Parts of it, but not Vancouver. Yeah. Anyways, um, here. So recently, Elliot Th- uh, Friedman put out his thirty-one thoughts column and had a few interesting Vancouver things. To return to uh, Markstrom, he talked about the Markstrom contract negotiations and um, how that's been going. And the and the uh, said that it's actually been a difficult negotiations, and the front office has actually been displeased with the amount of attention the Markstrom negotiation has been getting. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It seems typically kind of petty of the Canucks front office. Anyways, but apparently the Canucks front office has offered Markstrom up to a two-year deal using Miko Koskinen and Darcy Kemper's deals as um, kind of like wow. parables. Oh, that's tough. And I totally get why that would frustrate Markstrom, but I also get that like we're trying to plan intelligently. And that's the thing is, but like he, you watch him this year has been good, but you can't. 
I just am firmly of the belief you can't just commit to a goalie like that because it's such a fickle position at the end of the day. And, I mean, Koskinen's deal was a bad deal. That was a really bad deal. I don't understand that. But Darcy Kemper got two years, 4.5 per, and he's a better goalie than Markstrom as, a, as of this point. Yeah, technically speaking, yeah. Um, but but I, mean, I know this is a bit of an extreme example, but you look at Leonard, Vesna finalist, and then uh, it went, he got, like I think, 4, 4.5 million too, or 5 million. Oh. Five mil in a one year. Yeah, so I could very well see Markstrom ending up with that just because the goalie market is so weird in the NHL. Um, it's just hard and, to predict. And then Bob goes out and gets a seven times 70. I think also Bob being as bad as he has this year <clears throat> will show a lot of people you can't do that. That was like that was a bad decision by Florida. It's going to freak a lot of teams out. Florida went all in on that. And like, if you look at the numbers, over the last 10 years, Bob has been technically one of the best goalies, even though over those 10 years, he's been so back and forth. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you can't do long-term deals for goalies, and you can't do crazy big deals for goalies. Didn't Varlamov also get a big deal? And like he's just kind of, I think him and Greece four, share the net in, in New times, York. Yeah, four times five. Yeah. But so, I mean, so, yeah. I mean, if we can, if you told me tomorrow we could get Markstrom at four times five, with with the key more key to me than even how much money or the term is whether or not he has a no move clause. Oh yeah, well no, that I still don't get why any sport team would ever do that with any player, especially um, with the expansion draft being in what a year I think now. Yeah, it's just around the corner. The the Kraken, it is official. No, it's Seattle not Kraken. What do you mean? It's no, they're... What do you mean? It's, it's definitely it's, official. It's... Mums on name after new Kraken. Okay, I guess it's still rumors, but no, I could yeah. see it, dude. This like I, there's so much. That's what I'm going for, but it's not. Oh no, yeah, I'm excited about it. I think that'd be pretty cool. It'll be a fun rivalry, and I think the Kraken thing's hilarious. Plus, you'll get to call them all crackheads. Yeah, I think it's so funny, and like they have some great designs for it. <laughs> like. I think it's just fun. More than anything, it's like, you know what? Good for you for being fun. That's why Vegas, I like Vegas, honestly, is Vegas has tried to be fun. Like, until they fired Gerard Gallant. And then I was like, you're why? Why would you do that? <laughs> you're why? No, but dude, that's what it sounds so silly. But um, yeah, dude, so many sports teams are going with the, the fun route. And like, why Why not? You know, we're in, we live in an age where nobody wants to take themselves seriously. Let's Let's do it. Let's have a good time. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, so that was his first thought about the uh, Canucks. Well, one of his other ones, too, um, well, this wasn't a thought as much as he um, repeated a quote from JT Miller that I should have brought up earlier. And following the loss to Boston, he says, I don't think Boston is anything special. They're a good hockey <laughs> team. I'm not sitting here like, oh, we're playing this team tonight. We're a good hockey team. We should have swag about that. And I, mean, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I really like that comment. I mean, I don't, he didn't really need to say, I don't think Boston is anything special because people in Boston would be pissed about that. But, like, I like that attitude. Yeah, no, I liked it too. I thought it was a really good, I think that was a great response. I think I'm excited about the fact that, like, if he is our essentially, like, uh, veteran leadership, like, that's yeah. super exciting. I think he definitely understands what it takes to, because, yeah, that's going to put so much confidence in our young guys to hear that be like oh you know what he's right like the fact that 
because if you looked at the stats and you looked at the players on the teams, you could be like, well, Boston's been together for forever. Like they're having an unreal season, best team in the league technically this year. Um, and he's saying, hey, we're a good team too. So I love that. I love yeah. that. I mean, it's the attitude you, you, you have to have if you're a pro team that has any shot of success. Well, yeah, if you're if you're genuinely thinking of winning any sort of cup, like you have to think we're one of the best. And I mean, you see that with so many sports teams where after they win, everyone's like, what was the change? And they said our culture. It's culture's huge. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a buzzword that I think people throw around almost too much and it tends to lose meaning because people are like, it's all about culture, culture. But like, I think good organizations have like a tangible and an actual definition for what that is to them. And I yeah. think part of that for a pro sports team is building confidence within your organization that like, we deserve to be here. We should be here. This is where we expect to be. And, like, you can call it somewhat delusional at times, but part of it is, like, this is what we're aiming for. Um, exactly. And, yeah, no, I can agree that, yeah, the word itself is thrown around, but um, but you have to have a, a, an aim. Yeah. Um, just we're talking about uh, the Boston game a little bit. Uh, we were talking about hitting. Uh, let's mention, uh, how do you say his name? Grizzlick? Grizzlick, yeah. Grizzlick hit on, on PD. Yeah, I mean, that was another hit where it's, like, two seconds too late and um i think at times patterson this year has really just been taken advantage of and it's you saw with sadines all the time and it's one of my real frustrations about the nhl is i mean like it almost seems like they're more afraid of being called out for being overly protective of their stars when really like they have to be i mean that's that's who sells the game yeah you're there at the end of the day, you know, you have fun. It's like you can respect Tyler Mott for like skating hard. Jay Beagle's like, <laughs> but like Pedersen like makes you go, wow, I'm glad I paid this money to come here. And too often with the Sedins, I mean, that because they have the puck so much of the time and because they're better than other players, they're more open and vulnerable, and especially a guy in Pedersen's case who, quite frankly, just isn't that big. Did you just say the Sedins? Hold, yeah. I was talking about the, this. I, this would happen to the Sedins too. That they'd just be taken. Oh, you're referencing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a hundred percent. The all all sports leagues are trying to protect their their stars because, yeah, like you said, like that's we live in a culture where everybody wants to be a fan of a superstar more so than an actual team. And uh, there's definitely Canucks fans that are just obsessed with PD. Uh, and yeah, it's not worth risking it. The referees should have called that penalty. I think it's it's safe to say that uh, Boston referees are chippy. <laughs> yeah, sure, that's that's and it's funny. I think going through Canucks Twitter yesterday it did feel a little bit like 2011. The hate was flowing yesterday. It's good to see. Well, dude, the, the, our team came out. What was it? I think it was only two nothing going into the third. Our team came out that third period on a mission. We did forget to play defense, but our offense was trying so hard. We yeah, we had true. so many middle of the ice turnovers or like in our defensive end turnovers that I was like, okay, I think we're trying a little too hard and we're forgetting some of the basic things in hockey, but we really wanted it. And that was fun to watch. Yeah, so I think that was exciting for, sure. for Vancouver to see that like our team really wanted to win for us. Yeah, I agree 100%. 
Um, anyways, and sorry, finally to the last point that Friedman made. He talked about Judd Brackett, who's been getting a lot of airplay recently. Um, Judd Brackett, for those of you who may not know, is the Canucks head of amateur scouting and has been responsible for finding a lot of the um, later rounds, like especially the American players, guys like mm-hmm. Tyler Madden, Tyler Madden, Adam Gadet, a few of these other like later round guys. Um, he also really pushed pushed for Pedersen. And I mean, the one thing the Canucks have done exceptionally well to get themselves out of their um, poor record is they've drafted really well. Oh, it's the best thing to see. It's 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 the best way to do a rebuild. It's the most uh, commendable way, and we've done a really good job. And I never really thought of us as the the team that drafts the best, but wow, I'm really really excited about what we've put together through drafting. That was the real like the heel of the Gillis era teams is they didn't draft well. Drafted poorly, they were always trying to rebuild through other means. Yeah, and and so then we had nothing, and so then like the thing is, you can get all the draft picks you want, but you gotta hit. As the Oilers have shown, you gotta hit, (laughs) and it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. how many picks you have, unless you get find some guys who not only can carry your team up top, a la a Hughes, a Besser, Pedersen, but guys through the bottom part of your lineup who can contribute, like an Adam Gaudet, Troy Stetcher, for example. A lot of the guys we have even coming up through the system right now. So even yeah. though we've had some of our top guys graduate, there's still other guys coming up that like can help the team continue to be better, especially as some of the top guys start to make more money. And anyway, so Judd Brackett is his contract ends at the end of this season. And he's been offered an extension. The Canucks have talked about the, how like they've offered him an extension, yet there's nothing there. And to be honest with you, if we lose him, I'm gonna be really upset because Benning has shown his faults, in my opinion, and Judd Brackett's the one guy I say I'm like I've trust most almost every decision that you've made. That you're definitely like a positive contributor in this team. Well, and that's an interesting thing you bring up because I don't think people think about like when we get all excited for off season trade rumors and stuff like that, and and free agent signings. I don't think people think about the 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 staff that come in and out of the teams and how big a difference that makes. I mean, front offices are like groups of people. People have a tendency to credit like Benning or whatever, but they're just like the figureheads for the um, front office. And, you know, there's just so many other things that have to be done in scouting, finding guys, like, and the the development process too, quite frankly. And, I mean, Judd Brackett's shown to be valuable and arguably like one of the top in his league at his role of scouting. The guys he's pushed for, by and large, have like panned out. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see. But um, so, yeah, are, is he for sure gone, or it's just a no, debate? It's well, he's like just doesn't have a contract, and apparently, so Friedman said, um, "As for Bracket, this I'm quoting Friedman here. As for Bracket, what I, from what I understand, this is purely about structure and how how things will work. The Canucks have made several staff changes since Trevor Linden left, and according to several sources." Brackett wants to know if he will have the same say in running the department he used to have. If not, he'll move on when his contract ends on June 30th. Okay. Yeah. So that's basically where they're at. Anyways, I think um, we'll talk about two other general league things before we wrap up here. Um, the other thing that Friedman led with in his um, 31 Thoughts piece was the fact that Bufflin, the big buff, rhinoceros hips, is... Um, he and the to ending the contract. Can I jump back just uh, before we jump into Bufflin? 
Uh, sure. Just because you were mentioning bracket and um, and the American team, American League uh, scouting and, and and that kind of amateur later rounds, uh, Godet has been pretty great. I think he's he's here to stay as a one of our our top nine forwards. Um, and yeah, he was a fifth round pick in 2015. Um, that I don't think like there was a whole lot of buzz around. I don't remember a lot of buzz around him. And now he's like a consistent forward in the NHL. And I think there was talk about how in the Boston game he had a bunch of friends and family out. He uh, he played for Cedar Rapids in the USHL. So I'm excited to see. Like you said, hopefully we can keep a scout that understands that even in the fifth round you can get a legitimate forward to start for your team. Yeah, true. I mean, and that's what the good teams do, right? Is, yeah. Yeah, they, they have to do stuff like that. Um, okay, sorry. so Bufflin. Yeah. yeah, Bufflin. So, yeah, he and the Jets are working towards um, ending his contract to finally end. What has been, like, a weird holdout? And there hasn't been, like, a ton of information about throughout. And and really, Nico, I should let you take this one away. Because for those of yeah, you, you Nico... You'll know that, unfortunately, in the fantasy league that we're in together this year, he had a little bit of struggle signing on. And as, as a result, when auto pick came on with his first pick, he got to pick the one, the only Dustin Bufflin. So I'll take over from right here, everybody. Uh, as he mentioned, it's been very hard to find information on what's happening with the Dustin Bufflin situation with the Winnipeg Jets. I have tried many a time to find out what is going on with that team and that player. There was the injury. There was the suspension. There was the he's not coming. There is where is he? And it's been so rough. And just to, to, to reference everyone, so you know my frustration, I'm sure all of you listening are in fantasy hockey leagues. Dustin Bufflin was the eighth pick in our fantasy draft. It's a keeper league, but still. After that were guys like uh, John Gibson, Evander Kane, uh, Kale McCarr. Oh, my gosh. It would have been so nice to have another guy aside from Dustin Bufflin on my fantasy team. So, yeah, so pretty much every day, I think for the first two months of the season, I would look up what was happening. I think I ended up giving up in December once it came out that he was getting, uh, was it ankle surgery? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that was the issue is when they went into the grievance. Um, and apparently this is a big deal for the NHL because they like the end of year physical, he passed it. Yeah. And the thing is, if like that physical loses its legitimacy, the NHL will be open to future like litigation and they can't have that, obviously. So they have this weird situation with NHLPA. Um, I'm being on agreement uh, Bufflin's behalf because he's like, this is a hockey injury. I only get paid because I should just be on like injured reserve right now instead of just instead of being suspended for not reporting. Yeah, well, and talk about a, a good job done by Winnipeg at least at first. I really bought it that they were like, no, all is good. Like Bufflin's good, everything's fine. <laughs> and then this all yeah. comes out that he's actually like kind of pissed at the team. He's like, no, I sh- I shouldn't be like. I shouldn't be suspended. I, I had a legitimate hockey injury and like, he's not happy. And now I think they're working toward a contract termination because of how bad the, uh, the, the team, the team dynamic with him has gotten. And I never would have guessed that. Like, honestly, like the jets, I think will maybe make the playoffs this year. I thought, I honestly thought at the start of it, like, I, I bet you he's just trying to like wait it out and he's going to come in and have a great second half of the season. That is not the case. There is a lot of issues happening with that front office and Dustin Bufflin. Yeah, 100%. Apparently, the relationship's really soured. And so that's too bad to see um, his Jets tenure in a, a negative note because he'd been, like, a real face of that franchise for a long time. 
But it looks like he may play again next year, which will definitely be interesting to see what he's got and how much he comes in for. It, he's just an interesting wild card, wild card, I think. Well, and to uh, round out the story, I did end up dropping him from my fantasy team. Overall, maybe it's worked out. <laughs> he, uh, as soon as the talks came out that um, essentially like he was uh, somewhat, I think, healthy to play. I think that was like one of the things that came out at one point. Um, he was picked up by another team, and I was devastated and very scared that he was going to come in and have an unreal year. So hopefully he doesn't play at all this year. That would be great for me. Yeah, no, I don't think. It looks like he isn't going to. That would be wild so. if he did come back then after this. And then, like, was it just random playoff edition? But I don't think well, that'll happen. But can you imagine how exciting that would be for a team, like, making a playoff push if they just signed Bufflin after his contract got terminated and they, like, got him for really cheap and he was just a huge player for them? Like, I don't even know how good he's going to be after all this time. You know what I mean? I'm very curious. He's he's only 34, but he's not the kind of player you would assume to age well. I mean, I guess maybe, but I don't know. He, just, he hasn't been skating, too. No, he really hasn't. But that's that's why, like, Freeman in the piece said, I don't think he'll come back because he hasn't started skating. And it's February. But so, and this is this is the team I knew was going to say it. It says, if Dustin Bufflin's healthy enough to play, which are the teams that want him? Boston Bruins. I knew that was going to come up. Uh, I'd hate that so much, honestly. I'd kill me. If, like, oh, if the Bruins picked up Buff, I'm just done. So that would piss me off because, yeah, they're already awesome, and I think he would be good with them. Alternatively, yeah. the other teams are the Avalanche and the Oilers. I could really see him bringing one of those teams down. I could see him affecting them negatively. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think he's a. I think he'd be a positive dressing room emotional leader. I think maybe not the Oilers so much because they have Cassie and whatnot. But that's what the Flames need. The Flames need some emotion. They need someone in that room being like, "Wake the fuck up." The Flames, yeah, I guess the Flames. The Flames got punked during the last battle of Alberta. Everyone. Everyone's focusing on the like goalie fight and whatnot, and that was sweet. Don't get me wrong, but the Oilers punked the Flames, man. Well, they've done a very cool job. I I had someone explaining to me that like when you actually look at the cities, Calgary's a big city, Edmonton's a small city, but Edmonton shows how much tougher they are in these fighting games. It's been a ton of fun to watch. Hundred percent. Um, we've also got a little bit of breaking news here. So, well, I guess breaking news during that the podcast and um by the time you listen to this it'll still be as exciting um nonetheless the leafs have finally addressed their backup goaltender situation um what yeah i've also have you heard more about backup goaltending in your life than the least backup goaltending spot like my god the number the amount of times i've heard the name michael hutcherson is too much um it's ridiculous to me I thought maybe something happened to Anderson, the amount of discussion there was regarding Leafs goaltending. I was like, I get it. They have no backup. <laughs> well, he did get hurt. He got hurt in the game the other day, in a game against Florida the other day. Um, yeah, he's out with a neck injury right now. And people didn't feel good about Casimir Kaskisko? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's not the guy. That's not. Sorry. But that's not so, so, Mr. Uh, who is it? Jack Campbell? That's their guy? Yeah. So the Leafs picked up Jack Campbell because Anderson's out for an undefined period of time. And Michael Hutchison just isn't good enough to be like their starting goalie. 
They picked up Jack Campbell and Kyle Clifford, who's actually honestly a good pickup for them. Kyle Clifford, yeah, I actually, think, that's is actually exactly... a great pickup. Yeah, because he's one of those tough guys who's a pain in the ass, who's going to fight, he's going to stand up. He's got great advanced numbers. Has he been having a good year this year, too? I think I've seen that name a little while. I don't know what his... Is... So he's got 14 oh, points. Oh, this in... guy. Yeah. He doesn't score a ton, to be honest with you, but he's the kind of... His career, Corsi, is 53%. My goodness. Kyle yes. Clifford, all right. Interesting. Jack Campbell's the big piece there. Um, I think I saw him in a couple of Kings games when the Kings were like this quick done this year and they played Campbell for a bit of a stretch. I guess he could be more of a goalie. I I, I wouldn't say that addresses the woes that much. Well, I guess he's better they, than Hutchinson. Oh, definitely. I mean, so last year, 31 games, 25 starts, 2.3 goals against average, 928 save percentage. I oh, mean, this yeah. he's definitely not been as good. He's got 285 goals against average and a 900 yeah. save percentage. But that's in 20 games. So he's been playing like three, like two-fifths of their games, so 40%. He's 8-10-2. I don't know. I just think uh, the Leafs, they lost to the Rangers tonight. I think the Leafs still have some stuff to figure And I'm saying this because but I picked the Leafs. To... That's the thing, is they had to get a goalie. And I mean, they gave up two third-round picks and Trevor Moore, who's a good player for them, to get it. So they paid. They paid for sure. But, but wasn't, I mean, there dis- wasn't there discussion that like... Dubnik and Lundqvist were available. Like, why not try to really go all in, you know? Because they don't have the cap space to do so. Okay, so Jack Campbell it is. I, yeah. All I'm saying is, is that I picked, I picked the Leafs to be in the Stanley Cup when I, the year started, and I don't feel good about that, even with the addition of Campbell. That's all I'm saying. Well, they just, they're just they not even in a playoff spot right now, so they're just making sure they get there. So they need a goalie. Exactly. Yeah, and um, so, I mean, at least they got that. Especially if Anderson's going to be out, they had to get a goalie. And so, I mean, they paid, but at the end of the day. Since we're talking about the Eastern Conference, I just want to throw a brief mention to the Blue Jackets. Wow. 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10. They've just been oh. amazing. You know, we've been waiting for years for the next Hashik, just a dominant goalie. We thought we had it in Carey Price, but then his one-year greatness kind of floundered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it turns out we've just been building for the rise and the revival of Elvis. Elvis, baby. You picked him up. Props to you, fantasy hockey. Yeah. You knew. Four shutouts in his last seven games. Se- four shutouts in seven games. That's yeah. unbelievable. Is um the fact that uh, uh the fact that Columbus is in a playoff spot right now when I mean I didn't think they were gonna be brutal. Because they still have a decent core in that team. And they put a playoffs right now in the East. Credit to them, man. This is a great coaching job by Tortorella. I will great not just that. Goaltending, man. I th- it's just goaltending, too. Like, they're getting even, miracle goaltending right now. Even if you look at the Blue Jackets offseason move the last couple of years, no, just by looking at that, you'd be like, wow, I guess they're they're getting ready for a bit of a rebuild over in Columbus. And then Tortorella's like, no, I don't do rebuilds. We win. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I understand that perspective from from Tortorelli's a coach. You just got to be going for it, basically, right? No, but that's what I'm saying. They almost, I think they're almost better now than they were in the years with Bob's and and, and the other guys. Wasn't uh, didn't they lose? Wasn't Panarin with them? Or no? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Not better, but I mean, they've had a great year. They're a good story, and it's um, you know, credit to them for taking a real underdogs mentality. Elvis was a 
third round pick in 2014. Wow. Goalies in the NHL just I find so fascinating because it's so different than other draft picks. You know what I mean? They go through the the younger ranks for so much longer to build up. Yeah, sure. I mean, you just twenty five year old rookie. You got to be drafting goalies for like five years in the future. I know it makes you realize that that's the thing. I mean, like look at Demko; he's twenty fourteen. Um. Anyway, so I think we've sort of come and said our piece, and um, yeah, we're looking forward to doing another episode pretty soon here. The Canucks have another big stretch coming up with what should be a really exciting um race for the Pacific Division crown. It's going to be a really exciting end of the season. Uh, I was looking at the remaining schedule. There's definitely some games we can win on there. There's going to be some games that are going to be super important to win. That'll be really exciting battles to watch. So make sure you're watching all the Canucks games because it's going to be a really exciting end of the year. Uh, Stay tuned for the next episode, everybody. A lot of fun stuff. We'll be talking a little bit about Ovi and that uh, pace to Gretzky's record as he's uh, two away from 700 right now. So NHL is in a pretty exciting place right now. For sure. It's good to see. And um, yeah, we'll be there with you. Thanks for listening. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe.